Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we are at the ArcLight Summit in Dallas, Texas. ArcLight is a new conference in this industry, one that focuses around topics like diversity, equity, inclusion. There's also an amazing event that's been held by the Women in Lighting Design chapters of Dallas, Texas. They're bringing that small town feel to the big name market. Everybody's always invited to come down to ArcLight. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Granville McInear, the owner of Granville McInear Lighting Design, also known as GMLD. Granville, welcome to the podcast. What's it been like down there at ArcLight? I know we're up here in the podcast studio right now. Have you enjoyed it? ArcLight is fantastic. I love having it in our hometown and being able to see all the manufacturers and reps here, as well as people from the design community coming out and just it, having it in our hometown is really nice. Has it been uh, enjoyable to see some different programming and lectures and opportunities come up here? Yes, yes. My staff is out here. I'm out here taking courses and seminars and listening to people talk about lighting, and it's been nice. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Light Pod today. We like to have, you know, conversations that are thought-provoking and inspirational. You've got an incredible journey, an incredible path that started from a picture you just showed me where your hair is, I don't know, 16 feet long, but four feet long because it's permed and you're playing in a rock band. And uh, today- It was natural. It wasn't permed. It wasn't natural. Okay. It was natural. It was natural. (laughs) But today you own and operate your own high-end architectural residential lighting design firm primarily. And only when I start these podcasts, I say, who are you? What's your passion? What inspired you to take the dive into lighting? But we're going to break down your story this entire podcast, talk a little bit more about that and how there's some life lessons behind your work ethic, your tenacity and your willingness to kind of just morph and merge and let the world find a place and teach you what passion is and give you opportunity. So let's just go into it right off the bat. Talk to me in general. When you think about being curious, everybody turns and looks around. Everybody's interested in something. What does curiosity mean to Granville? Learning. Curiosity leads to learning, and I love learning. I was not a person who liked to sit in a classroom and learn, but when I think of curiosity, I think of learning. I think learning's a, a very valid point. When you're curious, you seek to learn. When you think about your path, it started with music. It did. How did you find or how were you curious when you originally were a musician? It felt like I was curious about everything. Every chord, every show, every song. It was about being curious. When you went and you would play and you would strum that guitar, I'm sure you can remember the first time you picked up one. It was a long, long time ago. It was. But there's an opportunity to strum across a set of strings to make a chord. And as you place your finger on these strings, different things happen. When you're a musician, how do you figure out where to put your fingers on all that? Like, what was that like to go through that experience and learn how to play a musical instrument? When you put your fingers on the strings and you figure out how to make a chord and either you're doing it yourself or somebody's showing and you kind of have that first strum and maybe it's the fifth or sixth strum where you actually get it right and it's just this sort of wow moment of I just did this you know and and I can I can do more of it and you know then you you go from learning chords to learning a song and you're putting things together and I think that's where the curious part comes in is you get a note and you're curious about what else you could do with that note what else you can do with the strings and you know your right hand your left hand and that breeds curiosity it truly breeds curiosity because you have the opportunity to not only physically do something but that stimulates another sense which is obviously what you hear 
and then there's so much emotion that's packed into music. Totally. I know that rock and roll is your thing, and you were super into it. You're in a rock band. What was it like to take your curiosity of music and playing a guitar and then build a band, build an experience around that? It reminds me a lot of architecture. It reminds me a lot of owning a company and running a company. You've got these four or five guys that are or girls that you have to figure out how to make everything work together. You have to sync your vision and business sense as well as the creative aspects of it and make it all come together. And you've got this product that you're showing to the world that you're hoping people will enjoy and appreciate. And it's, it seems a lot like architecture and what we do and, and building this foundation that you show to the world. When you build a foundation and you show it to the world, I might argue it's all about finding what you want to do, uh, the way you want to do it, and then showing it off to people. There's obviously, if people haven't picked up on it yet, a tangible movement here about how being a rock star and in a rock band puts you in the position of being an architectural lighting designer and running a business. But before you got there, you had a desire to learn and a few things happened. Talk to me a little bit more about what it was like for you to live and learn and that path that you took to kind of get your hands, no pun intended, on electricity. I always say it just sort of fell in my lap. I think other forces were at play, but when I moved to Dallas with a band to be the big rock star, the next big movement, I got a job with an electrician and it was three or four months until we made it big and we were touring all over the place and it was just a side job and it turned out to be more than a side job. The band thing slowly kind of faded away and I started focusing more on lighting and electricity and working in the field, installing dimming systems, installing light fixtures, running wire, digging ditches, crawling in attics, all the all the fun stuff. I'm not sure how I liked lighting from that standpoint because it doesn't sound very fun necessarily. I guess I got a good foundation that was a temporary thing that, that really fueled what later became a passion of mine. And after doing this for a while and, and meeting lighting reps and learning more about light fixtures and learning about drafting and my boss was teaching me AutoCAD release 10 and 11 and, and getting started in this whole drafting and computer world, I discovered that there was a, another company that just did lighting design and I didn't have to do any installations or get dirty. I mean, you do have to get a little dirty, but I didn't have to do any of the install stuff and dig ditches anymore. And that was, that was very appealing to me. And the just the thought that you could do lighting design as a career, I don't even know that I knew that before then. So it was, it was super eye-opening. And I didn't think then, oh, you know, all this music and this history and practicing my guitar for hours and hours at a time and all this would sort of lead to these qualities or strengths that would help me in the rest of my career. It was it's something you sort of think about 20 years later, I think. I want to go back to getting your hands dirty and installing dimming systems and everything else. You were an electrician. Yes. As a side hustle. Yes. While you were in a rock band. When you were an electrician, at what point in time did you realize what everything you were working on was actually doing to a space, to an environment? When the lights came on, you know, when the dimming system 
came on and I would help my boss after hours dim things and, and set dimming system levels and aim lights and do the after hour stuff really and see it all, you know, changing beam spreads and like, you know, everything that we do as lighting designers. It was just remarkable that I was running these wires and this copper and plastic and everything turned into this, you know, amazing ambiance in a space that changed, you know, when you changed the, hit the button on the wall sort of thing. It was that's it was that simple and it was it was it was very eye-opening it's kind of like rock and roll and music you would start yeah. with a chord and yeah. you'd build the you'd build all the instruments in but it was having all the parts and pieces and being able to put that together in this instance it was more of a physicality of materials required in order for an effect to be achieved yeah you think about lighting design and everything that it does to influence and create a mood in a space there's many 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 design principles that go into being applied when you think about being a lighting designer but for you you didn't go to college for it you weren't taught these 50 principles you were somebody who was just learning you were on the fly you were experiencing things there was trial by fire trial by air Um, luckily there was no actual fire (laughs) (laughs) there was no fire right thank goodness yes you kept your jobs yes (laughs) what was it like for you to go through what i would say is potentially viewed as a non-traditional platform for learning to get to where you are today i have to say that this is a little bit of a cop-out but i don't know any better you know, I sort of, I came from this world of doing it all and aiming things and learning dimming systems from the inside out and, and light fixtures. And uh, even drafting felt like a on-the-fly thing, literally after hours, just helping my boss finish up some lighting plans and electrical plans. And it was a different educational experience. It was the school of life, which may sound a little cheesy, but it's how I got to where I got. I worked worked for an electrician and my eyes were open to lighting design and I started out drafting and it was before computers were popular. I'm dating myself in the design world and just sort of getting into AutoCAD and drafting and I quickly gravitated from that to the design experience and where I was there was not a lot of um, collaboration necessarily in lighting design. It was sort of like the boss is, is doing this. This is kind of what you do and you take it from there. And I kind of harken back to the music days where when you're writing a song and you've got four guys and you're doing something and you have an idea that you really like, you pipe up and you say something and you're like, well, what if we did this? What if the chord did this? What if we sang this this way? And you kind of get your your two cents in. And I, I felt like I didn't have a choice but to to put my two cents in and say, hey, what if we did this? And let me let me take this restaurant as part of this, you know, whole hospitality project we were working on. I'll take the restaurant, I'll do some things on it, and and we'll see how that goes. And it sort of started out small like that. And it was actually the Burj Al Arab, the which was called Chicago Beach at, at the time, the big sailboat in Dubai. And, and 
we were working on that project and I took these little pieces and parts of it and, and just kind of started working on it and would show that to the boss and, and, you know, get feedback. Some of it was bad, some of it was great, some of it was, you know, a lot of criticism, but it was all learning. Um, but that's sort of how I learned. And, you know, you're working on this and then you go to a job site and you're aiming lights and then you go back the next day to working on this restaurant. You learn something the night before, aiming the lights, setting the dimming systems, everything that we do. You realize, you know what, these these lights need to be in a different position or we need to use a completely different source than this. And, and it's you just literally learn something the night before that you can apply the next day. It's like kind of figuring out a song and figuring out that the audience doesn't like it when the bridge is too long, so you shorten it and then the next night they love it. You know, it's sort of, you figure out how to make things flow, I think. And that's I felt like that's how I learned. I mean, it's 100% how you learned. You brought your real world experience into a very technically challenging profession into an environment that is arguably criticized constantly. People very, very seldomly know that the lighting is actually creating what they see. They think they just see what they see, which is true to an extent, but without light, I mean, what do you do when you walk into a dark room? You turn the lights on. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive in a little bit more to what lighting design in general has that we can't learn, that we can only experience. And how that was really just a natural path for Granville. Sound good? Sounds great. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, the Light Pod is brought to you by Lotta, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They bring you things like this podcast, and of course, a bunch of fun, short, and informative videos that talk about light, that celebrate light that document it and maybe even show you a cool new thing or two. Check them out. That's L-Y-T-E-I dot com. And welcome back. Over the break, Granville and I were catching up just a little bit more about his specific niche within architectural lighting design, and that is both residential lighting design and high-end hospitality. They're two very, very interesting sectors within lighting because the human experience matters so much. It's either literally someone's home or maybe second or third, but it's theirs, or it's a hospitality environment where mood and atmosphere really truly is everything. People don't not think about lighting in these environments because they know that it can make a difference. Granville, when you think about all the work that you've done since you've started your own business, GMLD, and you've worked on a variety of projects, talk to us a little bit more about how you had to just continue down that journey of that school of life and how one thing builds on another, even as a professional. The residential lighting sort of, I think, feeds hospitality lighting a little bit. I think people who talk about hospitality talk about residential and the concept of residential and sort of, you know, wanting this temporary home of a hotel being something very residential where they feel as comfortable as they do in their own home. There's a lot of tie-in between that. For example, we did a train in Peru and we had to worry about lighting guest rooms, bedrooms on a train and a sort of a bar area, dining areas and, and applying what we knew from residential and hospitality to a train was a learning experience. I mean, that's not something you do every day. So you're telling me this was a moving project. It was a moving, literally. <laughs> literally a moving this project. This thing was 
chugging along down the tracks and you had to take everything you knew about creating an environment, but then go into a foreign space where I would imagine power sourcing, vibration, all sorts of other things came into play. Exactly. And in this case, there was LED lighting wasn't as prominent as it is today just you know buying things off the shelf but it actually helped with vibration you know you can imagine a filament lamp not doing as well in on a train situation but they didn't have clear bulb they only had clear bulbs they didn't have frosted bulbs so we literally had to go and spray paint you know with the frosting that you get at home depot or whatever they had in in lima and spray paint the bulbs to get a frosted look so there were some things that that we had to do on the fly or in the middle of a of a train run to make that happen and I've got to make you relate that back to rock and roll and how, oh, yeah. how an experience while you were playing music maybe parlayed you into not only it sounds like a pretty ridiculous design opportunity, but also the willingness to accept a challenge to say, not only can we do this, but we're going to make it happen and conquer it. Yeah, I think that's what learning a song and, and pulling a song together and creating something completely new is like. You know all these other songs, you know Residential Hospitality, you know all these other songs that you've done, and you take all that knowledge and you use it for the next song and, and what works as a band and what works as an artist and you use the background on that and I think the train part of it wasn't hard there was you know because of that because of the residential experience and the hospitality experience kind of putting both of those together on this train you had some moving elements to it and things we had to compensate for that you wouldn't normally do in a stationary hospitality project but in the big picture it wasn't that different you know than than doing a hotel it wasn't different but it was enough to say that you had to take that courage but as a musician you knew well if i can write five songs i can write five more but we still got to take it one at a time and we still got to figure it out i want to switch gears just a little bit think about the minute details that go into getting you know in today's world with led lighting linear sources high you know valences have shrunk from six inches to six millimeters maybe i don't i don't know there's there's so much that's going on in the never-ending process of the details behind residential lighting talk to me a little bit about how you've had to learn and grow and simply just experience all of that to get to where you're at today you know it sort of kind of goes back to the very very basic mock-ups of Figure, you know, taking an incandescent light source that we used to use in, in a cove and figuring out how far it needed to be from the back wall and the alignment to the ceiling. And you just sort of take this smaller source and figure out the same thing. It's, it's just going to be different. You're going to have, you're going to be able to tighten the space up a little bit, but there's also things, you, you know, you need to be able for the light to dissipate as it needs to. So there's also things that sort of stay the same as, as incandescent. Uh, applications do. But one of the biggest things for us, I think, and I don't know if this falls under details, but it is in terms of specs, is warm dimming. And everything that we do is involves warm dimming and dim to warm, uh, where you go from a, you know, a, basically following the incandescent curve. And all of our projects or at least start out being specified that way. It used to be much harder to get them on projects, but now the premium for warm dimming is going down to where it's achievable. But all of our clients expect this sort of brighter, cooler color temperature in the 2700, 2900 range to being warmer and more golden and more sort of candle lit color 
and at night sexier. They want sex, they sexy, they want romance. I've had multiple clients mention that. And, and you say, well, I know rock and roll, so I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I know rock and roll. I know all about that. So yeah, I got you I got you covered. But that's one of the things that we really have to push on our projects because it's a new technology. It's not just specking a light fixture. You've mm-hmm. got to get the warm dimming and you got to get it working well. And when you think about that, go back to the days of rock and roll, go back to running copper and pipe and wire and all that other stuff. Now looking back on it, what's it like? How can you see what just a non-traditional path into doing what you do today gave you the opportunity to say, we need this. We're going to push for it. We're going to make it happen. I think dealing with clients and owners and listening to what they want and what they wanted to see in a project. Sometimes they don't know what they, they know what they want. They don't really know how to get there. They don't know how to say it. And so a lot of times we have to understand where they want to go and lead them in the right direction. And warm dimming, sometimes as small as it can be, a lot of people don't know that when you dim a 2700K LED and it stays at 2700K, but is you know down at 1%, it looks terrible. And people don't know that. And so you have to sort of educate them, which is something we're constantly doing in our business. I think everybody can attest to that. Educating them to understand what happens when you dim the lights down at a really low level. And listening to them and what they want. Sometimes they just, you know, I've, I've had a client tell me they just want people to be able to feel romantic in a space and they don't really care how they get there. They just, they, they're telling me what they want to see in a project. And I think that's a lot more important than client telling us specifically, you know, some lighting, something that they want. I want to know how they want to feel in the space, what they're doing in the space for a residential client. Do they entertain a lot? There's several questions about how they feel in the space, how they want to feel, what they're going to be doing in a space, you know, probably not dissimilar from an office and what you do in an office environment, but this is just taking it to, I feel, a much more personal level. People can relate on the surface level. They can tell you the emotion they want to experience or how they want to feel. They may be clued into the fact that lighting can make a difference. You did the same thing when you wrote music. Talk to me about that. Yeah, a lot of this is coming to light, no pun intended, as I as I think about this because I don't always sit around and tie these things together, but you want people to feel a certain way when they hear your music. And it's almost like you know what the formula is to get to that point, sort of like we know what the formula is with lighting design. But it's almost this innate thing that just sort of happens. You've got this knowledge and you use it. I think lighting design may be a little more intentional, but I think music just happens more than lighting design happens. Music is definitely more of a form of entertainment. People seek that response and it might be just a little bit more to gauge your audience because there's a very clear directional path of communication. I am here so you will entertain me or I am here to entertain you. But creating that connection is the most critical part and is really what it's all about. Now yeah. I know there's producers and writers and this, that, and the other thing and the YouTube phenomenons and you know, here we are in 2021. Right. But fundamentally, music has always been the same. It's been a form of entertainment or an opportunity to entertain. Lighting does that every single day. When you look at your business, you are creating the opportunity to entertain people who are seeking to be entertained, whether they know it or not. When you look forward to how people may be able to be inspired, how people may find the courage to say, hey, there's just something out there here that I want to do, and I have no clue how to get there. And you look back on your career, you've connected the dots now, 
As right. Steve Jobs said, you don't know where the next dot is, but looking back on it, it's always obvious how you connected it. What do you think gave you the opportunity to continue to connect the dots looking back on everything? The dots connect through various things, and it's not something that just happens one day and you think about it. I think it happens throughout your career, throughout your day, throughout your week when something happens and you sort of are like, hey, wait a second, this relates back to some connection that has happened in the past. And speaking of connections, there's personal connections that help with all this too. And as you're as you're going along and making connections with people and influencing those people, you build up this network of people that you have influenced and are hopefully emotionally changed by the spaces that you've lit. And I think coming from a place of rock and roll and changing people's emotions, hopefully playing and people experiencing that to now changing people's environments and the emotions that go along with that. I think there's a lot of dots in between there, but that's sort of the roundabout way to getting where I feel I am now. It's no doubt that you've gotten to where you are now by way of self-discovery, by way of the school of life, as you put it. When you compare it to other traditional means of becoming a professional specifically, I'll just pick on it, lighting design. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of, I think, easy ways, I'll say, to identify where to go to do that or if you're looking for someone, where to find them. Your story today reminds us that it may not necessarily be about what qualifications you have or where you're coming from, rather what drives you, what you're passionate about, who you just are as a person. Today at GMLD, you are not alone. You have 10 people working for you. And I would venture to guess that while I know TCU's down the street and they have a great program around it and you're aware and the pedigree of your company would entertain an opportunity for people to maybe know who you are and seek an employment opportunity out, you have a unique experience and you have a way that you can kind of approach life approach working with people, and I'm sure with your clients as well. If you think about that, what might you be able to share that keeps you curious every single day when it comes to that? I'm always open to learning, and that doesn't mean learning about lumens and voltages. or It's, it's more about learning life as well. I, you know, the school of life continues, and hiring people that have an interest in lighting, and it's more about the person and the connection and their abilities and their interest in lighting. If somebody's interested in lighting, they're going to do a much better job for you than you know somebody that just wants to draft or something. I think being able to recognize that in people and not having to have a pedigree of a degree or, you know, any kind of a a crazy program, but just having an interest in that. I guess there's no prejudice with me on where somebody comes from, I guess is what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way. I would agree. There's not a lot of prejudice based on the way you've grown up, the way you've 100% earned it, but really more just been on that path of discovery and curiosity and intentional learning because you want to figure out why something's doing something or what leads to the next thing. This has been an awesome conversation. I guarantee you, none of us, including your mean new lighting and rock and roll had so much in common (laughs) when we sat down to talk today, but this has been awesome. For everybody out there listening, Make sure you stick around till the end. We'll play you one of Granville's tracks once this is over. But Granville, if people want to get in touch with you, continue this conversation, or maybe just get a you know original copy of an album. How can they best reach out to you and get in touch? I would I would say email. 
Let's say granville at gmld.lighting. Just email them, granville at gmld.lighting. How's that for a fun new that email is, address? Yes, it's the best. Granville, hang in there. Thank you for your hospitality here in the great state of Texas. Of course. We'll go check out Arclight a little bit more. And for those of you listening, enjoy this track. We'll talk to you soon. Well, it's been a while now since I've heard from you. Don't know how you're doing. I hope you're still the same girl I knew. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. I'm still thinking about you